Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I just want you to know how much of an honor it is for me today to have this woman on our podcast. Um, oh, God, I'm already getting emotional. She's a dear friend. Her name is Gretchen Catherwood. She's a gold star mother, a wife, um, a great friend, and a co-founder of a, a, a retreat for military veterans by the name of the Dark Horse Lodge. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Gretchen, I want to welcome you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Um, I Hey, I, I just got to give you a little bit of backstory of Gretchen, her family, um, how we got to know each other. Um, uh, she's a gold star mother. Nobody wants that title of a gold star mother. That uh, means that she lost her son, was killed in action while overseas fighting in a war. And I've known Gretchen for more than 13 years. Our sons served together uh, with the 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines. Sadly, Gretchen's son, Alec Catherwood, Lance Corporal, Lance Cor Corporal Alec Catherwood, was killed in action on October 14th, 2010, along with another Marine by the name of Lance Corporal Irvin Seneceros. Uh, he was also I was getting there, there you go. <laughs> from the same battalion. They were both killed by small uh, arms fire. And on that same day, to make this day in history even worse, uh, another Marine from the same battalion, Lance Corporal Joseph Lopez, was also killed in action by an IED. So, During, so just a clarification uh, real quick, Alec was not killed by small arms fire. He wasn't. That was, okay. No, that was the initial report, but it was actually an IED. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. That's 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 good to know. Yep. Um, during this deployment that we're going to be talking about, that her son was killed on, over twenty five Marines were killed, and uh, this is how Gretchen and I and I got to meet was during this time. A lot of the moms and dads through social media, through Facebook channels, we all became very close. Uh, mm -hmm. We had started a Facebook page called the boys of three, five. It's no longer working, but um, we, we all came together and we bonded and it was beautiful. We mm -hmm. supported each other. We called each other. We would pray with each other. It was a very, very difficult time during this third battalion, fifth Marine deployment. And uh, I, I got to tell you, Gretchen, um, I just love you. I, I love what you're doing. I got some questions for you. And, sure. uh, uh, you know, and also let me tell you something about Gretchen. She's also got a great husband by the name of Kirk, who um, is also a veteran. I believe he was in Desert Storm. Am I yes. correct? Yep, so, Desert Storm. So do you come from a military family, Gretchen? Is yeah. That yeah. My dad is actually a Korean War vet. He was Army. My younger okay. brother did four years in the Army. My older brother did 22 years in the Air Force. My grandfather was World War I Navy. My uncle was World War II Navy. So, yeah. Wow. Well, so we have Bring some similarities. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat, you get to get some. Um, so we have similarities, too, because I've got a long channel of military uh, family, too. I know Rick does, too. My wife was an Army brat. Right. Yeah. And, you know, sir lived all over the world in the, in the armies. And then she actually, uh, joined the army. Uh, so yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing wow. to hear it. So 
let's just go back in time. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, 2010. All mm-hmm. of us are in pain. We're all hearing what's happening. You know, if you wouldn't mind taking us back, and I know we're, we, I want to be sensitive because it was just last week that mm-hmm. you had your son's 13th angel at angelversary. But mm-hmm. I want people to know um, what was that like for you during that time? What happened? I want people to understand since Veterans Day, this is probably going to be playing. Um, what do you recall from all that? What What do you remember? Well, from that day? Yes, yes. So, so I, I for me anyways, and I, and I know for some of the other um, military parents, when there's a war going on and your child is serving, you think in your head about, oh my goodness, what would I do? How would I behave? How would I react? What would I say? What will happen if they come to my door? And it's interesting because when Alec left for Afghanistan, I said, don't you send them to my house because I will not let them in. Do not send them to my house, son. And he goes, I promise, mom, I won't send them to your house. And so, um, of course, we did hear and, you know, there's there were rumors, constant rumors during the first few weeks of deployment. And of course, he was gone in less than three weeks after they left. So, you know, but the first few weeks there were rumors. And I thought, until you know for sure, don't. You know, don't listen to what people say. But that morning, there had been quite a lot of buzz going on that, you know, several uh, that there was some trouble in River City. And um, so I thought, okay, well, it couldn't have been Alec because I would have heard. And I spoke with my daughter, whose then husband was also a Marine um, out of Camp Lejeune. He had just gotten back from deployment when Alec left for deployment. So his pre-deployment, Alec's pre-deployment party was my former son-in-law's post-deployment party. So, and my daughter was in North Carolina and we had spoken for goodness, like an hour and a half on the phone. And she said, mom, I know we're hearing some things. And I said, honey, if it was Alec, we would have heard by now. So don't worry if it was Alec, we would have heard by now. Hmm. And, and, and I've said this before, I can tell you, I was folding clothes at the time. And I can tell you the shirt that I was folding when the knock came on my door and we lived in the middle of a cornfield. Okay. And nobody ever used our front door. As a matter of fact, the only time anybody ever used our front door was somebody came looking for their bull, (laughs) their bull had gotten out. (laughs) So I heard, um, I heard car doors out front, but I couldn't tell. and, And it was right in the corner of the house where I couldn't see anything out my front window in my room. And I couldn't see anything out my side window in my room, which is where all the kids would park. You know, Alex's friends kept coming to see me after he deployed. And so I thought maybe it's one of the boys, but then I thought, no, he's not parking near the back. And so I'm looking out and I'd hung up with my daughter and, you know, I'm looking out and I see three Marines and a Navy chaplain walk into my front door and I just went, oh, no, no, oh, no, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. And I just remember saying, no, 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 no. And I, and I was home by myself and I ran stupidly. And of course I did nothing that I thought I would do. You know, um, I ran from my bedroom to the front door, from my bedroom to the front door, back and forth and back and forth like an idiot. Um, just not knowing what to do. And they knocked and they knocked and they knocked and they rang the doorbell. Finally, I went to the door and we had a sticker on the sidelight of our door and it was two blue stars, one for my son-in-law and one for my son. And I put my hand on that, that 
sticker. And I opened the door and they said, are you Mrs. Catherwood? And I said, yes. And they said, are you home alone? And I said, yes, but my husband should be home any minute now because though he drove truck and usually wasn't home until eight or nine at night, I knew he was coming home early that day. So this is like 4.30 or five o'clock. And we had two, we lived on a gravel road and we had two giant evergreens next to the front door. And he leaned back and he said, does he drive a white pickup? And I said, yes. And he had, he was coming down our gravel road. You could hear somebody coming literally a mile away. And I just kept my hand on that sticker. I was like, if I held my hand on the sticker, nothing could go wrong with either of those two boys, right? Because I was protecting them, right? <laughs> wrong. So Kirk parked where he always parked on the side of the house. And he was going in the back door as I was going out the front door. And I didn't even give this young Marine the chance to say a word to me because I didn't want to hear him. I wasn't going to listen to him. If he couldn't speak, nothing could be wrong, right? And so I'm screaming going out the front door as Kirk's coming in the back door. And he then comes out the front door and I just collapsed, just lost my mind because I knew they don't come to your door yeah. to wish you a happy birthday. You know what I mean? They don't come to your door to say, oh, by the way, just stopping by to say hello. They come to your door when something's really, really, really wrong. And almost all the time, it's, it's, it's a horrible situation. And so... They finally said, okay, can we talk? And I said, okay. And they said, can we come in? And I said, no. And my husband goes, yes, you come in. I said, no, you cannot come in my house. I told Alec, don't send him to my door because I won't let him in. Well, so, and it's funny now when I think about it, but it wasn't funny then. Um, I had been cleaning up my fall flowers and things the day before. And I still had two hanging baskets outside my front door that were, you know, dead in Northern Illinois in October. It's nothing grows anymore. So as they were going in my house that my husband allowed them to do without my permission, I picked up one of those hanging baskets and whipped it at Staff Sergeant Bancroft's head. I missed him by like an inch. And we oh do laugh about that. Now he goes, dude, you were trying to kill me. I said, yes, I was. I was. Which I, I found out later is the reason they don't go alone anymore is for their safety because so many of them have been threatened to, you know, beat up and killed and yeah. shot and all that kind of stuff. So that was when they told us that it was small arms fire. Um, and I'm thinking to myself and in my brain, it didn't make sense. I said, wait, 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 if he had a vest on, how did it get, they said a single gunshot wound to the chest. And I said, mm, that doesn't sound right to me. It just didn't sound right. And they said, well, it could enter the side and exit the other side. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's what they said. And, um, and then they left and you're numb. You're numb. What do you do? The only thing that we could think to do was make the worst phone call of my entire life to his sister, my daughter. And I said, honey, I'm so sorry. Is Matt home? And she said, yeah, I just got home from work. I said, then I need you to put this on speaker and I need you to please just go hang out with Matt for a bit because um, I need to tell you something. And she knew. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, what? It, it was Alec. It was, in fact, Alec. And oh, my God. Oh my God, they were best friends. I mean, they were best friends. And so the thought of, oh, I'll tell you, when they flew us out to Dover, seeing her is the only time in her entire life I didn't want to see her. I just didn't want to see her. I didn't know I could handle it. But, you know, and then I had to call my dad and my dad just lost his mind. You know, he's got 19 grandkids. Um, but, you know, Alec was his buddy. They were buddies, you know. He sent his Bible that he had with him in Korea 
with Alec and it was in his pocket when he was killed. And so, you know, it, oh, making that phone call. And so then of course I have a ton of siblings. And so they all called my siblings and next thing you knew there were hundred people at our house, maybe more, I don't know. We had to go tell his fiance. We picked her up at work and the minute she worked at McDonald's at the time um, and they opened the back door. We knocked on the back door and we knocked and we knocked and we knocked and we pounded and we opened and they opened the door and she had this big smile on her face. And then she didn't have a smile on her face because she just knew she just knew it was it was. Mm. Oh, man, it's, it's, a... It's, it's, a, it's a moment that you never, ever. Like I said, I can tell you the shirt that I was folding when they came to my door. I can tell you how fast my heart was beating and I can still feel it beating like that. You know, you get used to it. Um, it doesn't get easier and it doesn't get better, but you get used to it. So yeah, that was, um, that was, that was horrendous seeing all those kids at our house and yeah. Yeah. Having to tell them was, it was just, it was, it was rough. It was really, really rough. Uh, Gretchen, you know, uh, uh, I'm sorry that you had to relive this. I mean, we've heard so many stories uh, we've talked to so many gold star parents, haven't we, Rick, yes. where we've heard their stories and it's exactly the way you describe it, where people can remember yeah. exactly what they were doing to the minute. They uh -huh. remember everything um, leading up to that. And let me just give our li listening audience an idea. Gretchen used the words River City. Well, during the time when something bad would happen overseas while our boys were uh, were out there fighting if something bad happened river city would go into effect and that's when radio silence telephone silence computer silence would go into effect and basically no words were getting out however um some of the wives and uh during that time frame had just sense they had this sense right and you mm -hmm. could always sense when River City was in, in effect, that something mm -hmm. bad happened, especially on this deployment. Yeah. Right, Gretchen? Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure, sure. Yep. It just seemed like every day we were losing a Marine. Right. Every day it was, I mean, and I just, uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. We tell the story, actually, Gretchen, in the locker rooms of the 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, and we always bring a, uh, a, a wounded Marine, uh, a military commander, um, and, and we tell them while the kids are neat up, ready to go play a football game, the story of your son, the story mm. of the 25 that were killed. Mm. And it's extremely powerful, very powerful. Mm -hmm. We call them moto talks. Uh, Rick has filmed hundreds of them, but they're, they're, they're very powerful. Aren't they Rick? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. So Gretchen, after that life goes on, the deployment mm -hmm. gets over. We do a beautiful ceremony on the helicopter pad where we welcome uh, the whole battalion home and they honor the 25 that were killed in action. I remember that day clear as a bell. It was, Me too. Um, it was just a, an unbelievable day. The and sound then, of the dog um, tags, the sound of the those sound. dog tags beating Whoa. on the, um, yeah, on the battlefield crosses was wow. I'll never forget it's, that ever. It was, it was, it was. Uh, I, I remember a young lady crying terribly by one of the battle crosses. That wasn't his fiance, was it? I believe it was. That was that photo ended up in the LA Times. That's the one. 
That's I believe a, that was Haley. Uh-huh. That yes, was Haley. That was a, oh God, that was. And great, oh. great, great, great news. Yes. She has been married now for five years and they just announced that they're having a baby last week. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so she has, she's, she's doing well. And I am just so, so thrilled to be able to report that because, you know, she was 17. Yeah. Yeah. I remember how young she looked. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, and then life goes on. The, mm -hmm. the, the, the boys come home, mm -hmm. but then more starts happening. We start hearing of PTSD. We start hearing more about TBI. We start hearing more about some of the guys aren't doing well, right? Mm -hmm. All of that started settling in. So even though they were home, now they're having to deal with the memories and the and and the and the flashbacks and the uh, the pain of mm -hmm. what occurred while they were over in Afghanistan, mm -hmm. and um, we do a five year reunion for the guys because we knew they were going through it. We yeah. knew that they were suffering, and we put together a a, a five year reunion. Um, with some moms that were all in and all of us got together and we put on a wonderful five-year reunion for, for the guys. And I believe you were there. No, I believe you didn't go that. So where did you get the idea of the lodge? Was it from the well, helicopter pad or where, where did you get that? The helicopter pad was the impetus. Mm -hmm. It was hugging the corpsman um, who lost his legs after declaring Alec gone and on his way to Joey, he stepped on an IED and lost his legs. It was hugging him and looking in his eyes. And he was apologizing to me for not being able to save my son. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 please never apologize for being there for him when I couldn't be, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But seeing the pain, seeing his eyes really had an impact. And I had never met him before. He was a replacement corpsman because our original corpsman was injured. He was mm -hmm. wounded. So this young man was just, he just got there. Um, and the following year we moved down here to Tennessee and um, I just kept thinking of those eyes and the, the boys that I met on that helo pad and looking around going, you know what, this is a really pretty area. There's some really, really cool healing things that can happen in nature, which we all know. And I thought, you know, this area is known for fishing. Why don't we do something for those guys who came home? And my husband's like, no, <laughs> no, no. We moved down here to retire, not to work harder. And I kind of let it brew and I let it brew. And I stayed up a lot of nights for a lot of months going, there's got to be something we can do. Got to be something we can do. Until my daughter and I, um, I flew her out from North Carolina and I flew out from Tennessee for the um, dedication of the monument where General Kelly spoke. Got it. And we, we were there. Went, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we went to lunch with some of the boys and their families, and we went to dinner with some of the boys. And it was in the parking lot of that restaurant that night that several of the boys were talking, and they pretty much blocked out the fact that my daughter and I were even standing there. And we just backed up to give them their privacy and their space. And I did hear one of them say, This is the first time I've been able to talk about that day, meaning the day that Alec and Joey died, because they were all friends with Alec and Joey. And on the plane on the way home, I said to my daughter, I said, you know what, that's it. I'm doing it. I'm doing this because they were proof positive. Not that I needed that proof because being married to a desert storm vet, there were many things that he couldn't or wouldn't talk to me about. You know, yeah. I knew that. 
And I knew that there were many things that Vietnam veterans couldn't talk to anybody who wasn't there and Korean War vets and all these combat vets, right? And so I got home and I said to my husband, I said, we got to do this. I said, this is something that we have to do. And, and I had kind of somewhat formulated an idea of what we wanted the lodge to be. And he then not only jumped in um, with both feet, but then improved on my original ideas and my, you know, and so that's where, you know, the lodge came to be. It was just something that I felt really needed to be done in this country. Mm -hmm. And when you lose a child, at least for me, I kind of lost my purpose. You know, my daughter was grown and gone um, out of the house and I had, what else, what, what am I now? Who am I? You know what I mean? What do I do now? Am I worth anything to anybody? Do I have any purpose here? And how about if I just go to bed and pull the covers up over my head? Cause that would have been really easy. That would have been, been really nice. But then you think, okay, if I do that, I don't honor these boys. Yes. You know, yes. I don't honor anybody. I dishonor myself and I dishonor my son because I'm giving up on what I feel is a pretty good idea. Mm. You know, and so that's what we did. We just started and we got our 501c3 on 2013 and 2014 when it came through, we started raising money and it's been nine really long years, but mm. we're essentially just two people, you know, just yeah. doing what we can. So yeah. it was Five dollars here and ten dollars there. We raised enough money to build. So I asked Gretchen to come on because they just had their grand opening. They named it Dark Horse Lodge, and so they named it after uh, the mascot of the Third Battalion, Fifth Marines, dedicated to the twenty-five that lost their lives during that fateful uh, deployment. But uh, they just had their grand opening and I was watching all the videos and the pictures that were coming out from various people that were there. General Morris is a great friend of mine. And I saw that he was there, which was was awesome to see. And uh, it just, I mean, amazing. I saw that he spoke. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But tell us about the 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 layout of Dark Horse Lodge. What exactly? uh, Tell us about the lodge and the rooms and all that. How is all, tell us a little bit more about that. So we kind of had to amend our original idea. My husband actually was the one who designed the place and he designed the buildings and all that kind of stuff. Um, he, uh, we originally had the idea of doing five guest cabins in a semicircle across from three other buildings, making it three, five. There was an awful lot of symbolism in the way we had it laid out. Um, we were going to have our staff cabin, our dining hall, our shower house separately, all that kind of stuff until the soil scientist came by and he says, no, you're going to put your buildings here because we need this over here for your septic field. And we're like, oh, shoot. (laughs) But anyway, so we redesigned it and we ended up with five guest cabins all all in a line. Each one of those guest cabins has five bedrooms. Each one of those bedrooms bears the name of one of the boys that was killed from the 3-5 Dark Horse unit during their deployment. So it just simply has their name and their rank. The man who, the man in his welding class in Rockford, Illinois, who made the signs, um, he said, so you want like their name, their rank, their date of birth, their date of death? I said, no, no, I don't want it to be a sad kind of thing. I just want their name, their name and their rank. And so every bedroom has the name and rank of one of the boys. And we did it chronologically. What a cool starting, idea. 
starting at cabin one going across to cabin five we did it chronologically in the order in which they were killed because we're thinking okay do you want to do it by rank well then who made lance corporal first you know what i mean so we just did it like in a serpentine kind of thing we started on the left side of cabin one and then just all the way through over to cabin five and so each building has five guest cabins we have a hall bath which is also our wheelchair accessible bathroom we have a a commode, two sinks, and two urinals in that room with kind of a shower curtain um, around the commode rather than trying to do a heavy, you know, a hard stall because opening and closing the door, it's not a huge bathroom, but big enough. Um, and then we did a, we did like a barn door so that it's super easy to open and close those doors, knowing full well that half the time they're not going to close the door in the first place. Uh, <laughs> so we have yeah five bedrooms and that bathroom in the hallway as well as a utility closet and then at the mm -hmm. end of that hall we have a door that leads to a great room and in mm -hmm. the great room we have a sofa a love seat um, a table with chairs around it for games cards puzzles all that kind of thing um, we have a half bath in our great room as well for women to use or if somebody's sleeping and these guys want to be up watching a movie or playing cards or something, they can close the door to the hallway and just use that bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, we have a sink, a refrigerator, a small refrigerator, a microwave, a coffee so maker. It's a, it's a nice confined little lodge. I noticed on one that you had an elevator. Is that for well, the that's on our that's on our dining hall. That's in your dining hall. So that's so they can oh, get yes. up to the... Got Correct. It. Got it. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk actually um, designed... Well, he didn't design it, but he built and then designed the aesthetic part of it for the enclosure for the wheelchair lift. And I have to say, it is one of the most beautiful wheelchair lifts I've ever seen. It really is. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, but each one, cabins four and five, we have ramps in on the one end of the building. Um, even though we aren't required to, by code, all we need is ramps going to one end of the building. But for yes. our comfort um, and for the safety of our guests, we figured if there's this, if there's a fire in the great room and they can't mm -hmm. get out that way, Rather than have them thrown out a window, potentially, we'd rather right. have them come out the other end of the building. So that's why we have ramps on those two buildings on, on the other end. But every single building, theoretically, is wheelchair accessible because the back ramp goes from one end of cabin one clear across all the cabins to cabin five. And so whether they're in a wheelchair or on foot, they can walk or roll in and out of every single building. And then... Those buildings all kind of converge into a concrete walk that goes over to the lower level walkout shower house, which is where that wheelchair lift is, is located. In that building, the left-hand side is for the staff to enter, and that's our laundry room and our cold storage and our water heaters and electrical panels and water filtration system. And the right-hand door, both of which, by the way, are steel FEMA doors. So that's also our storm shelter because it's mostly underground. Um, the other side is for guests to enter. And inside there, there are two stalls with a commode in each stall and a sink. And then down either side of that building, there's six showers on one side and six showers on the other. So, And those both are private with doors that lock in case we have women here and men at the same time. And then above that building um is our is bowman hall which is our dining facility we named it bowman hall for our board member mike bowman his son tim in 2005 after returning home from iraq took his life on thanksgiving day and so kirk thought you know what let's honor those who we are trying to get across you know our message to we're trying to reach um 
and he and he killed himself on Thanksgiving Day, you know. So so we want to honor him by gathering um, in a in a healing place for other military veterans to hopefully um, hopefully prevent any more of those loss of life. But upstairs we have a full commercial kitchen and a dining room, um, and inside that dining room we have our fishing store. So they'll grab their bait and gear and tackle and everything uh, after breakfast and take them out on the lake fishing. But we also have a second level deck upstairs with couches and chairs and uh, a roof over there so they can bring their meals outside if they want. It just sounds magical. You know, this, the main reason. So, and I followed Gretchen and Kirk's journey all through this. We, uh, the, our nonprofit donated to their nonprofit. We, um, we, we saw the, the path and the journey, but what a lot of people don't know is that there's 22 veterans that are taking their lives every day, every day. That is the statistic. This is not a statistic that I'm throwing out. This is Department of Defense stuff, right? And um, this space that they've created, I've seen what happens when these guys get together and these women get together. It is healing. Mm -hmm. It is bonding. It is a way of reconnecting with their brothers, when you are in combat, I've heard it from my sons. I've heard it from other military guys. There is a bond that is created that is very, very powerful. And what mm -hmm. Gretchen and her husband have created, with the help of many of you that are going to oh, be watching many. this podcast, that donated, right, and, and, and to this, right? Hey, buddy, where's the money? I, we need the money sound. Show me the money. <laughs> Show me the money. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a reason why with their hearts and their passion that they created this space for, for Marines, Army, from every branch of the military to come and bond, reunite, feel safe, and, um, and be healed. I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that it's for all branches because a lot of yes. people think that it's only for Marines and a yes. lot of people think it's only for people who were wounded or for people with PTSD. It is for combat veterans of all branches of service. Yes, yes. And we don't want and I, I want to make sure I specify this too, Gretchen. A lot of people are going to be watching this, and that is it's not only the men. Oh, it's right. Not. The women. I've met many, Rick and I over the years have met many women that yep. were in combat, just like the men. Yep. And so to be able to have a welcoming spot like this, where they could come together and, and live, love and be happy and reunite Gretchen. Slow hmm. clap. I got to tell you, it is, it is awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank awesome. you for your help. Your, you know, your help and, and the help of every single person who's donated has gotten us here. It's been a long road for sure, but yes. we didn't do it alone. We could never do this alone. Um, yes. We've done it with literally five and 10, $20 at a time, quite literally like that. So, so you have your grand opening. I noticed there was yes. a lot of people there, yes. right? How in the world did you get General Morris to come out? That was beautiful. Well, um, interestingly, a friend of ours who is a Marine up in Illinois, he reached mm -hmm. out to a friend of his who reached out to General Morris, and General Morris absolutely said, I will be there. Mm -hmm. And then he said, would you like me to speak? And I said, oh, yes, please. 
Yes, please. It was, it, was, it was very generous, very generous of him. And to see a couple of the three, five boys who were here Mm -hmm. communicating with him in a way that was different than when they were active duty together. It's yes. wow. Yes. It yes. was really cool. It was really yeah. cool to witness. Super cool. To General witness Morris, that. General Morris and his wife are beautiful yeah. people. Yes, they are beautiful people. And they understand um, what these men and women went through during that deployment and beyond. And I can tell you right now, I was just chatting with them last week. Uh, there was a, a, a recent um, Marine that lost his life that was some, was beloved. His name was uh, yes. Gonzo. Gonzo. Yeah. And, and um, it, all of us were saddened to hear that. And General Morris was deeply saddened, too. So yeah. it's um, it's a bond. It's a brotherhood. It's a sisterhood. Mm -hmm. It's a love that we all have. And we really, I wanted you to be on this podcast so they could hear your heart, Gretchen, because yes. you're just so beautiful. And all of us have watched yours and Kirk's journey as you navigated yes. your son's death to now having this beautiful lodge that everybody could come and enjoy. How do we, how do we continue to donate? What do we want our people to know about uh, how can we help you? Well, first and foremost, next week is our annual uh, big fundraiser called Trek for Troops. Mm -hmm. I personally am walking 100 miles starting Thursday. Technically, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday that we do a three-day event. But those of us who walk 100 miles um, start on Thursday, and we do 40, 30, 20, 10, most of us. I don't know how I'm going to do 40 in one day, but I'll figure it out. 25 and 30 <laughs> I can do, but 40 I haven't yet. But that's all right. Um, so that's our big fundraiser. We try to get 100 miles walked in every state. And mm -hmm. the information is on our website for Trek for Troops. Um, mm -hmm. Secondly, we can use every penny we can get because now is when the work really starts. You know, building was was time consuming and difficult, but mm -hmm. it was nothing compared to what we're going to have to do now because our guests are going to need to eat. I hear they like that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. We need we need fuel for the vans. We need fuel for our boats. We need you know we need we have insurance. We have utilities, which are going to go through the roof once we have people here so yeah there's so and as people know price of everything has gone up so high um that it's going to cost us quite a bit of money every year to run it and we're committed to doing that so you know they can donate through our website uh all the information's there we have a paypal button on our website we have a text to donate thing also on our on our website um on facebook too we have a donate button right at the top of our page so, and if people donate between now and uh, Halloween, Facebook charges no fees. Unfortunately, as of November 1st, that aspect of Facebook is going away, but that doesn't mean people can't still donate. Yeah, so. love, it. love it. Where's the show me the money, Rick? We don't, we're... <laughs> show me the money. <laughs> show me the money. <laughs> so, uh, so now everybody knows how to, to help you. Hey, this is no small endeavor. You guys are going to be seeing the pictures on this video of what they've created, and it is gorgeous. So uh, we want to we want to support you, Gretchen, and and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on our, our podcast. We love you. Thank yeah. you so much for taking time to do. We love this. you too, and we're grateful. Rick, we're grateful for Rick, the opportunity to tell people. Thank you, Rick. Do you have any questions? Do you have anything you want to bring up? I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. That Gretchen, it's been wonderful to have you. It's been. It's not something that we brush away and, um, you know, are silent. We, 
Um, Thank you. Patty, Patty Schumacher, you know, has the 25 uh, mm -hmm. banners that we always yeah. have at our event. And I know she always posts some the day that uh, the next one or group uh, were killed. And, you know, it's, I, I think back on the journey, Mark, you know, like with General uh, Kelly at, at the three, five, at the fifth Memorial Garden that day that we were there, uh, Jason Morris on top of uh, First Sergeant Hill after, with the, with the five year, um, these are special moments that um, mm -hmm. it's it's difficult. The the other one that I still have chills on that um, because you weren't there, we did a five when we did the five year, um, we had over twenty five family um, in a in a hotel um, room, a big a big um, meeting room, and we passed a microphone. Back oh, and, wow. and these were the parents and the wives and the fathers and the aunts whose son was killed in in the uh, the uh, battalion. That was called um, the boys remembered. That are coming back, that are wounded, and their wounds are visible. But there are those, their wounds are not visible. PTSD is real. I think that the day we found out our child left this world and we had to bury our children, which is unnatural. It's not something we should do. I believe we also got that. I believe at one point we're hurt just like our wounded warriors, just like our warriors that we can't see their, 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 their scars. We can't see them, but it's real and they shouldn't be forgotten either. Anything we can do to help those that are out there fighting and those that have come back with visual injuries and non-visual should also be helped. It's not, this is a real war that, that they were in. This is not a fantasy. And this is a nightmare that we all have to live. And we're not gonna wake up from it, but we have to learn how to deal with it. I understand that. We just shouldn't forget them. That was powerful. That was a powerful night. Yeah. Oh, and what God. about what about when Jose Sway Barone was climbing the First Sergeant's Hill? Oh my gosh. Yeah, he he climbed First Sergeant's Hill and his prosthetic was falling off, and so he just took it off and climbed it on his hands and knees. It was it, I mean it was that went That's worldwide. Incredible. That was a worldwide yes. thing that we'll uh, talk about inspirational. I I hope to do that in January when I'm out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna walk for Sergeant Hill for the first time, and I'm well, looking forward to it. Well, you're gonna be in shape. You're gonna be sh in shape after that trek that well, you're gonna do. miles, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gretchen, we love you. God bless you. Thank oh, you for being on Honor Radio. Um, we appreciate you, respect you, love you, and we're gonna. We hope to help you, and keep it Thank going. You. Keep it going, girlfriend. I can't wait to come out there and see this. Place. I can't wait too. And 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 honestly, it is my hope that even one person who's considering taking their life before coming here changes their mind after being here, then every single bit of it will be worth it. Because I tell you what, when you see the looks in the eyes of these young men after they've lost another friend, a little bit more of the light in their eyes goes out. And I don't want to see that anymore. Good for you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Gretchen Catherwood. God bless you. Thank you so much, Rick. And uh, we'll see you on our next podcast. Thanks, gentlemen.